0: Well, good evening, everybody. It's good to see your faces this night. Um, My name is Mike, and I want to welcome you to Kairos. Kairos is our humble attempt of creating a place where you can connect to Jesus Christ, to each other, and to the local church. And I hope that you'll do that tonight. I hope that you'll connect to Jesus, and you'll grow deeper in your affection for him tonight. If you've got a copy of the scripture, why don't you open it to Daniel chapter 1. Uh, Daniel chapter 1. And uh, I just want to say this. Like uh, tonight as we kick off this new series in the book of Daniel, it's my hope that we will find deeper clarity in what it means to be people who live out our identity in Jesus Christ. Um, now, when I was in, in high school, I experienced a trauma. And the trauma was that I lost my identity for a couple years. Um, I moved from my hometown in Boatah, Columbia, where I grew up. And I moved to the United States, to a a part of the country uh, on the East Coast in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And uh, I didn't really know anybody when I went to school there, Uh, but I did know that all of a sudden I felt very different about myself. So uh, where I grew up in Columbia, I was the only American uh, that most people knew. So that was like my identity, I was the American. I looked different, my parents were different. Um, And I was different. And it was kind of like a a badge of honor. Like, this is my identity. I'm the American kid in a sea full of Colombians. But when I came to the United States, I realized I wasn't the American kid anymore. Not the only one. There were hundreds of other Americans, right? Every single person that you saw looked like me, talked like me, acted like me, like the same things as me. And so I started trying to figure out what my identity was now because I just kind of lost it. I wasn't different or special anymore by simply being an American in another country. And it was weird for me. And so I went on a journey trying to figure out like, what I was all about. So uh, in high school, they have all kinds of clubs and things you can do to so try to figure out what you like to do. And so I tried a lot of them. And I went through some very embarrassing, cringeworthy moments when I did it. Okay? So like, the first thing I tried out was I tried out to be the country guy. Okay, now some of you guys are country guy in here and there's no shame to that. I'm just not that. But I went through a season where I did country line dancing every Friday night. Right. And I was like slapping leather. I knew all my moves. Like I could like I could electric slide like the best of them. Right. That was my thing for a little bit. And then I realized like I'm not really a country guy. Like this is just something I just started doing because my cousin did it. So I became art guy. I became like the, the moody, you know, artist person, joined the drama team. Got a part in Fiddler on the roof, started singing tradition, and you know, I was like, tradition, Like, I, I can sing it for you tonight if you want me to. Um, but uh, I was singing, like all the songs was in the production and I was like, this is kind of cool. I like this space. I feel a lot more like in touch with my feelings than I've ever felt before, but I realized I wasn't an art guy. I tried to do the sports route because in Colombia, I was actually a pretty good basketball player. I was the tallest person on the team, all right? I'm like stunning six foot one and a half. That's what I am in socks, okay? And in Colombia, I'm taller than everybody else by a whole foot. Like, I was just a giant. And then I showed up in America, and guess what? I'm, like, barely over average height, right? Uh, and so I started trying to figure out how to play basketball, not as a center anymore, but as a guard. And it was a completely different, disorienting thing. I joined the cross-country team, and I realized that was something I loved to do, but it wasn't my identity. And for that entire year, that first year, I kept on asking the question, like, who am I? What am I doing? What, is, what defines me? And I think a lot of you are feeling the same way and you're feeling the question of identity because the world is coming at you fast and it's trying to tell you who you are. And if you're not careful, you're going to let other people decide who you are and they will define you and they'll put you in a box and they'll tell you what your name is. They'll tell you how to think. And they'll make you into somebody who is miserable because you're always trying to fill Out other people's expectations for you and tonight there's freedom because God has spoken a better name over you and tonight we're going to look at Daniel's story because I think it uniquely corresponds to the things that you're doing and dealing with on an everyday basis because Daniel was someone whose identity was under attack and yet he found a way through and you can too so let's look at the scriptures we're looking Daniel chapter 1 Starting in verse 1, if you have a copy of the Scriptures, you've never really opened it to the book of Daniel, it's like right in the middle. If you like open in the middle and kind of go to the right a little bit, you'll find it. Um, And it says this. I'm going to read the first uh, seven verses. It says, In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and laid siege to it. The Lord handed King Jehoiakim of Judah over to him, along with some of the vessels From the house of God. Nebuchadnezzar carried them to the land of Babylon. To the house of his God. And put the vessels in the treasury of his God. The king ordered Ashpenaz. His chief eunuch. To bring some of the Israelites from the royal family. And from the nobility. Young men without any physical defect. Good looking. Suitable for instruction in all wisdom. Knowledgeable, perceptive. And capable of serving in the king's palace. He was to teach them the Chaldean language and literature. The king assigned them daily provisions from the royal food and from the wine that he drank. They were to be trained for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to attend the king. Among them from the Judahites were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief eunuch gave them names. He gave them the name Belteshazzar to Daniel, Shadrach to Hananiah, Meshach to Mishael, and Abednego to Azariah. Now, this passage we're looking at is uh, a pivotal moment in God's people's history. In fact, it was probably the greatest disappointment that God's people experience. So just kind of just give you a little bit of history of what's going on here, because you can read it and just kind of go right by it. But like, what you find here is that God's people experienced God's judgment. And the reason they did that is because they had been consistently worshiping other idols. And because of their constant idol worship, God said, I'm not going to allow this to happen anymore, and brought a different country, the Babylonians, to bring them into captivity. And so a king named Nebuchadnezzar attacked Jerusalem, conquered it, and deported the entire population back to Babylon, which is in modern-day Iraq. Now, could you just imagine that just for a second, right? Like, can you imagine what that was like? Imagine if somebody came and conquered Nashville and moved us all out to Portland, right? Like, how would that feel? That'd be incredibly disorienting, right? And yet, that's what happens to them. They get gathered up and they get sent to a far-off land where they have different customs and different practices. And among these people were Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some of you guys saw them on on veggie Tales, right? Rack, Shack and Benny, those three. Um, we'll get to their story in a minute, in a couple of weeks. But here you find these three and Daniel caught up in a talent raid. So uh, Nebuchadnezzar tells his, his uh, advisors and he tells like his people, he says, listen, I want you to go and I want you to find the best and brightest of the people of Israel. And I want you to indoctrinate them. And I want you to bring them into my service and I want you to make them like us. So they find them and bring them into this leadership training program, a re-education program to teach them how to think like Babylonians, how to act like Babylonians. And here you find an all out assault on Daniel and his identity. Because they're trying to change him. They're trying to make him think differently about himself and about the world. And they take everything from him they take away his name, which is significant. So Daniel literally means, the meaning of the word Daniel means God is my judge, who's given to him, declaring that he was someone who was supposed to serve God. But they change it to say, Belshazzar, which means Bel, which is a Babylonian God, will protect his life. So there's a A radical shift in how they're even calling him. They're calling him from a foreign God's name, not his own God's name, but a foreign God, to change his theology. They also take away his racial identity. They bring him different kinds of food to eat. They take away his future. Most likely, Daniel, and this is like kind of an uncomfortable truth about the ancient world, most likely Daniel is castrated. And he cannot have a future family or future as a, as, a, as a father, as a husband. It's all just gone from him. Daniel has lost everything. He's lost his hometown. He's lost his people. He's lost his parents. He's lost his background. And he's lost his future. And in the middle of this, he's being told to think a certain way, act a certain way, and not think about the past anymore. And many of us are faced with similar things. Like the world is filled with people trying to tell us how to think. And I think this is a season of the world that we're in where the ideas of a few can, can capture the imagination of the many. They can change the way we think about the world because media has a unique ability to change us and change the way we think. So in my, my studies, as I was continuing through my graduate program, what I found is that media, because I was working through preaching and communication and we had to read a lot of like media and communication books, Media has the ability to change the way that people think by bringing them new information in different ways. And the way that social media and other forms of media, like movies and videos, uh, the way those things change the way we think is far more subtle and far more powerful than we can imagine. You see, when you start seeing something for the first time, it becomes normalized to you. So much so that you no longer seek to resist it. And our culture has continued to bring things to the forefront and normalize stories and paint them in the way that seem appealing to the world so that we no longer see them as sinful or wrong. They bring stories of homosexual relationships to the forefront and paint them as the most normal and loving ones in every narrative. There are things that are brought to light in social media stories and other events that you may find that, that actually change the way people think and rewire people's brains. One of the most fascinating things that, that people have been discovering is the phenomenon of trets and how that's been associated with TikTok. Have you heard about this? So apparently trets is very uncommon in young girls. Like most people who have trets are young boys. Young girls do not have it. And yet over and over again, Researchers around the world were finding young women having the same uh, tics and same behavior as a certain social media influencer who constantly would say the word beans. And these young girls apparently were like watching her over and over again on TikTok. And we're actually bringing that into their own reality, their own sphere, and adopting her Tourette uh, behavior. And we're making it their own. That's the power of social media and the power of media in general is it? starts to change the way that we think. John Wesley said this. He said, What gen- one generation tolerates, the next will embrace. And it is so true. We are far more influenced by media and our peers than we would ever want to imagine. Just think about that. The other powerful force is not just media. It's the way that we perceive the world through our peers. You know, I think many of us think the peer pressure would go away when we actually got out of junior high in high school, Right? Let me just tell you, that thing never goes away. Peer pressure is a real and prevalent thing. Just look at the styles that we have, right? Okay, like for example, jeans, right? Every, a lot of us are wearing jeans in this room, right? Everybody loves a pair of jeans. But let me just like take you through a uh, parade of styles that we've all adopted over the years. Things that we never thought we'd ever do. In fact, some of us who are a little bit older are absolutely horrified that certain things are coming back in style. And every time that they did, we were like, oh my goodness, right? So, for example, uh, at one point, people wore bell-bottoms. And I remember people laughing at it when they were tight-rolling their jeans. When I was in high school, people were tight-rolling their jeans. I don't know why. I think we thought the flood was coming, so we'd like roll those suckers up real nice and tight. And we made fun of anybody with big flares until it came back in style in the form of a boot cut. And we started going, you know what, our tight roll jeans aren't good enough. We need to change those to some bootcut jeans, so we would do that. And then the the low rise jeans started happening where people started like having like these like really low rise jeans where you could barely put them on, right? And that was cool. So everybody had to change their jeans. And at some point, someone somewhere said, You want know to be great, is instead of like these wide legged jeans, you know what we should do? We should now, just bear with me, now make them really skinny really skinny jeans. So everybody started like, wearing really skinny jeans, almost like they were painted on. And I remember the first time I saw them, I started laughing. I was like, are you kidding me? Are we doing this? There's no way I will ever wear those until my wife had an intervention with me. And she said, you need to put your dad jeans away because you've been wearing those since college and you need to start wearing skinny jeans. And so guess what? Me, as a man in his 30s, I started wearing skinny jeans because that's what we do in Nashville. I quickly found out that people around the rest of the country don't wear the same clothes we do in Nashville, right? Because I got together with some of my friends. They started making fun of me. I was like, y'all are wearing dad jeans. And it was funny for a minute until dad jeans became cool again. All right? And now, you know, people are wearing like all kinds of jeans that we used to make fun of because this is what we do. We come on a fad, we mainline it and mainstream it, and all of a sudden everybody's wearing it and nobody thinks anything different about it. And the same thing is true with the world. If you wanna be different and you wanna be unique, you need to make some decisions about what you're about because the world will constantly seek to change and change you. And if you're not careful, you will be caught along with the tide of fashion, whether it's on morality or sexuality, or pronouns, or the way that we act in in culture, or the way that marriages should look. And if you're not careful, if you're not informed by the word of God, you will be drawn along with it, and will simply mirror culture instead of look different. And here we find Daniel in a place where every single person is going one direction, and he makes a pivotal, stunning decision. And you find it in verse 8. And this is where I want us to camp out. Verse 8, look with me. Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Daniel made a decision. And his decision was based on his behavior. He said, I will not defile myself with the king's food. Now, what does that mean? Well, Daniel, when he was brought into the king's palace, he was brought into a place of luxury. It would have been easy for him to just fall into a place where he says, man, I just have everything I've ever wanted. I've got plentiful food. We just came out of a famine because we were uh, under siege by this enemy army. I'm going to fill myself with the food that's in front of me. But he makes a critical decision and he says, I'm not going to defile myself and I'm not going to eat the food that's offered to me from the king's table. Now, the food that the king was giving them was the best of the best. And yet, Daniel chose not to take it. And it wasn't because he was watching his waistline, right? He wasn't like, man, I'm going to get fat eating that food. No, the reason he decides to be different is because he decides to keep the traditions of his people and only eat food that was A, not sacrificed to idols, and B, followed kosher laws. He's like, you guys can change my name. You guys can change where I live. You can change the, my, my, my profession. You can change my, my surroundings, but you can't change who I am fundamentally. I'm still a son of God. I'm one of God's people, and I'm going to eat in such a way that it honors God. I'm not gonna defile myself. I'm gonna be different than everybody else. And this decision could have cost him his life. He could have washed out of the program. And yet he says, I'm going to honor God first with my life. I'm gonna be different. See, there was something else that was tied in with this. When you took the king's food, it meant that you were the king's man. When you shared food with somebody, it wasn't just like, hey, here I have a meal. It wasn't just a feeding program. This was a decision to be underneath the authority of the king. To be somebody who was like, king, I'm going to follow you, and you're the man, and I'm going to obey you, and you're my Lord. And Daniel says, I'm not going to go along with that because I have only one king. His name is Yahweh, the God of my ancestors. And I'm going to hold fast to my identity. I will serve well. I will be the best servant of this earthly king. But I still follow a heavenly king. And my identity is tied to him. And I'm not backing down on that. Now, here's the deal. When he decides to do this, he makes a significant decision. He says, I'm not going to defile myself with the food. And it's a decision before he actually has to step into the crucible of the decision. What I mean by that is, that is that he makes a decision in the solitary place of his room before he goes to the table and partakes with the feast. And if you're going to be someone who's going to be like Daniel, who says, I want to be different, you have to make a decision before you actually have to make some decisions. Because otherwise, it's like going to the grocery store saying, I'm just going to go buy whatever's there. I'm hungry. And what I find when I go to the grocery store and I go buy things without a plan, guess what happens? I buy everything that's unhealthy for me, right? I'm like, oh, ice cream looks great, yes. And I'm just gonna get all this ice cream. Oh, I want all this pizza. And I don't buy any vegetables at all, right? I simply fill it up with chips. Because if there's something about Mike Carter you need to know is that I love chips. Like I have accepted chips into my heart, right? They are mine. Like I love them. I love the salty taste of chips. And so if I'm not careful, all I will do is eat chips. That's why going to Mexican restaurants is like both a blessing and a curse. Can I get an amen, all right? All right, good. Hey, by the way, I loved how Leon's kind of challenged us into that last week. And I was like, yes. Why am I the only one saying amen in this room, right? So, uh-huh. And some of you guys are there, right? He's like, that's that deacon hum. So if you feel me and you want me to preach better, do that, okay? Give me a little bit of feedback because I just know every preacher loves it And I think culture at Kairos, there's a lot of place for us to grow in that. So, amen? All right. Cool. Uh, Now, what I find is when I go to the store, I have to have a plan. I have to have a shopping list. I have to make some decisions before I go, or I will... By whatever is in front of me, and the same thing is true for us. If we're going to be people who make decisions that shape culture, and if we're our true, authentic selves, we need to choose who we're going to be before we step into the arena. Man, we got to choose what we're going to be all about before we actually are faced with a decision as to who we're going to date, or how far we're going to go, or if we're going to put pronouns after our name or initials at work, or if we're going to be people who go along blindly with whatever happens in our classrooms. Because we know this, if you're a college student, even at Belmont, which is a Christian school in many ways, there are right answers and there are wrong answers. And if you don't give the right socially accepted answer, there will be social consequences. And so... All of us, if we're going to be people who have a deep rooted identity and who God has named us to be, we have to make decisions as to what we're going to defile ourselves with. Will we go along with the flow like every single other person, or will we choose to hold fast to our identity? You see, the world will try to name you and claim you, but you have a choice. You have a choice to say, Who am I? And the key to character is your identity. That's the key. I always say this about character. Character is not something you just name or choose. It's something that is earned. Character is something that is earned. It's not something you roll out of bed and say, I'm going to be somebody with integrity. No, the way that you show that you have integrity is when you go through the fires and you're tempted and you say, I'm not going to defile myself. That's how you have integrity. The way that you have long suffering and patience and courage is when you look at a world that's telling you to go one way and you say, you know what, I'm going to go the other. And In a city that's filled with people all trying to blend in and look the same, I can't help but wonder, if you want to be somebody who's different and unique, the key is being someone who makes a decision as to who you're going to be. See, here's the beautiful thing. God has called you his child. That's what Jesus has spoken over you. He's given you a name. And he's called you son or daughter. And there's no greater calling than to be God's child. So don't trade it in for some food that will never satisfy you. Don't trade it in for the acceptance of the world. Don't trade it in for anything else because God cares about your character and God wants you to be his and he cares far more for your character than any capacity that you have to offer with. He desires you to be his and to be his alone. And so tonight, as we take a time to reflect, I just think it's important for us to ask a question. Like, how are we doing with the decisions that we're making? One of the things we do here at Kairos is we take this time called 120 seconds, where we just press pause and we, we, we get really still. We lower the lights. And it's a time for us to just kind of wrestle with what God has been speaking over us and into us during the sermon. And so one of the things that we can ask tonight, the question we have is this, what decision do I need to make? If Daniel chose his identity, so much so that we never even see his name named as Belshazzar the rest of the book, He's always known as Daniel because he refuses to take on the identity that's, that's named over him by the Babylonians because he says, no, I will not defile myself. What decision do you need to make tonight? In what way do you need to be different? I was talking to one of you this week. And... Uh, I won't name any names, but I remember him saying this to me. He said, there was a moment where me and my friends were known by our boldness and our conviction, and we've become just like everybody else. You see, we can drift away from our identity. And it takes courage to say, I will not be defiled. I will be God's. And so as we take this time for 120 seconds, my, my calling to use this, my, my plea for you is simply this. Will you say, God, I will choose you? Will you do that tonight? What decision do you need to make? I told you my story where I was like, man, I want to be, am I going to be a country line dancer? Am I going to be a, a jock? Am I going to be an artist? And it wasn't until my sophomore year of college that I realized that all those things are parts of me. But none of them define me. See, I met Jesus. And when I met Jesus, I said, Jesus, you're it. And I'll go anywhere you want me to go, do whatever you want me to do. Because my identity is rooted in you. And if you have never done that, I can't think of a better night to do it than tonight to make a decision to say what kind of man or woman are you going to be? Because God has spoken a name over you. He's spoken a word over you. He's called you to be his and all you have to do to get it is to simply accept it. God has called you his son or his daughter and that name gives you an anchor upon which you can live your life from. And some, I just feel the Holy Spirit pressing in on me. Some in this room, we know that truth, but we have drifted away from the anchor. Tonight, you have a second chance. You have a second chance to say, I want to make sure that my life, my decision is that I am God's, my identity is God's son or God's daughter, that's who I am. It doesn't matter if the world's telling me that I'm useless, worthless, broken. God says, I will come and I will personally restore you. There is no place you can go that is too far. You cannot outrun me. You cannot go so far that I would not want you anymore. I celebrate second chances. And I'm waiting for you to simply say, God, I'm yours. I'll receive the identity you've spoken over me as my beloved son or daughter. So if that's you tonight, don't leave without saying, I'm going to make a decision, just like Daniel. I'm going to be God's. Jesus, as we take this time to sit in this question, what decision do I need to make? God, I pray that your presence would be heavy in this place. It's in Jesus' name.